Welcome to the Healthy Love and Money Podcast. If you find money to be the number one, two, or even third largest source of stress in your relationship, then you're in the right place. Going beyond how to budget, invest, and do your taxes, we're going to explore financial intimacy. Discover how to talk with your partner about your shared financial life. Let's take the awkward and painful out of money conversations. Join me and hit follow to listen to weekly inspiring, healing, and motivating interviews with financial therapists, couples therapists, and financial planners, and so many more. Let's go on the journey of financial intimacy together. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Healthy Love and Money Podcast. Today, it is my honor to welcome Carolyn Moore of the Modern Widows Club. Caroline, we're talking just before the show started, and she has contagious energy around such a difficult topic. I'm so excited to have her here with us to talk about the unique needs and experiences of widows. Carolyn, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thanks, Ed. <laughs> Happy to be here. Yeah. So tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. How did you come to form the Modern Widows Club? Well, Modern Widows Club is a women's health organization focused on really all things widows support solutions and research. Yeah. Uh, but it did start out that way that, you know, I, it all started with me going on a Valentine's Day dinner with my husband in 2000. We had a hit and run driver crash into our car, um, hit a light pole, and that light pole came down and hit my husband's head and missed me. Mm. He died, and I survived. Mm-hmm. My entire life changed completely. Um, and I embarked on this traumatic PTSD, anxiety. Uh, primary loss was him, but the secondary losses were uh, financial stability, child care for my two- and four-year-old daughters. I had no family. Uh, I had moved to Central Florida with my husband to work for my interior design career. So, yeah, we had this beautiful life. And then all of a sudden, because of one thing happening, like the car accident, it, it was it was completely shattered. So of course, when your life shatters like that, you go looking for resources. And 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 I was fortunate. I actually had a local grief center. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's only about 250 of them across the country, and I was fortunate to have one in Orlando. And I took advantage of it for a year. Uh, anyone who's lost a um, spouse can bring their children there um, for support, and then get peer support as the surviving spouse. Mm. Um, I would say that for the most part, I was in brain fog the whole year, but I did gain a language around grief and bereavement and um, what it's going to take to survive and maybe someday thrive. Uh, and, and so I you know, became a board member and I really started to understand nonprofit world a little bit more and be a voice for widows in that space. Yeah. And that's what really catapulted me into being a bigger voice, uh, being on the Oprah show, uh, it, you know, talking to Oprah and her uh, encouraging me to do something with my experience. And so uh, in 2011, I just decided to start mentoring two widows. Uh, in my home, 
Mm-hmm. And uh, it really grew from there, you know, to the 50,000 plus women we have in our organization around the world today. That is, uh, I'm speechless in the most wonderful way. You know, you, it's a case of you don't know what you don't know. I certainly didn't yeah. know there was such a huge gap in resources for widows. I honestly thought it was just my own personal story that I couldn't find it. But um, having really immersed myself into now the widow advocacy life, which is what I, I went from being a widow to becoming a mentor to becoming a leader in the industry to becoming a a global advocate. Uh, And this is what happens when you listen very clearly to tens of thousands of widows and you start seeing the lack of opportunity, systems that are set up for them to fail and struggle in and ask why and, and go looking for those answers. Why is it like this? Can it be different? Mm. Why don't we do things to make it different? And just to kind of start pushing that boulder up the mountain. <laughs> so, Carolyn, you're, you've grown from this profoundly painful loss of your husband on a Valentine's Day to nearly 20 years later, global advocate for widows. What an incredible journey. I'm just, I'm honored to be talking with you. I mean, I knew this was going to be a a great interview, but as I'm meeting you and we're talking and having this conversation, this is incredible. There's, there's so much for, and and I asked you before the show started, well, what about men? And you said, well, actually there's a lot for men too. Like there's, that's a whole nother dynamic within spousal loss. And my focus is on women and, and their unique experience. Now you certainly know some stuff about the men as well. But I just want listeners to know, like, Carolyn is so super honed in on the, the woman's experience of loss of a partner. And because you used a funny line, you said, it's the last woman standing oftentimes. It's not the man. Like, women are the last person standing in relationships. So tell me a little bit more about that. Well, well, they are. And it's because of female longevity. We were featured on CBS Sunday Morning last year, and they found us because they said, well, who are the last women standing? <laughs> and they said, widows. And of course, when they went to look for a Google search, lo yeah. and behold, we were the organization that was talking the most about what do you do when you're the last woman standing. And the statistics will which are very uncommon knowledge, 70% of all married women will become widowed. You know, those are the women who have survived possible divorce or in, in women who never got married, but 70%. We are t- and if you look at uh, really around age 40, men start dying in greater numbers than women. Yeah. So, 59 is the average age of a widow in this country. And I think most, and in our organization, it's 52. So these are not, people aren't thinking. These are not 80-year-old women. No, no. But those 80-year-old women, if you look at the baby boomer statistics, we are actually going to have more widows worldwide in 2030 because of baby boomer numbers, right? It's going to happen again when the millennial numbers become widowed. But what we do right now with the baby boomer generation 
because there's never been this many widows yeah. alive because they're living longer. Right. Right. So when you put all of these sort of statistics and, and understanding the longevity of life and how are these women financially going to provide for themselves? When you have 50% of people who have life, life insurance policies, you know, I was 37 when I became widowed. My daughters were two and four. We had just gotten life insurance four months prior to that. And why? Because of Payne Stewart, the golfer Payne Stewart, who lived in Orlando, yeah. died. Well, there were four widows made in that one plane crash. Mm. And, and I've met them, you know, over, yeah. over the span of time. Sure. I, I think when you say, till death do us part, that's sort of the end of it for you. You don't think about well, it anymore. Right, like that life goes on after that, but life does go on after that. I really feel like if there was some, if there was better education and knowledge around, well, there's life now, and yeah. then there's life when one of you dies, because mm -hmm. both of you will, it, rarely do people die at the same time. Absolutely. Right? And Absolutely. that's a whole other thing to prepare for. But more than likely, one of you is going to die. And, and we don't know who it's going to be, but we do know the higher numbers are the men will die. The higher likelihood is the men. And and I'm going to bring this up now. It's, it's coming up for me now. And so as a therapist, I kind of just deal with things in the here and now. Mm -hmm. But as you're talking about this, um, you don't know this probably, but I was a professional firefighter for five years. Okay. And I was starting to think about this, and it just kind of came up, is one of the things that most surprised me about being a professional firefighter is, you know, we went on medical calls. I knew that would be part of the job. But the number of attempted and completed suicides that I responded to. And when I think back on that period of time, the completed suicides were more often men. And so I'm curious for widows that have partners that commit suicide in particular, what's that like for them? What's the support structure? How is it similar or different? Um, yeah, I don't. Yeah, it's huge. So much so that we actually have three uh, survivors of suicide, which is how we say it, uh -huh. uh, survivors of suicide. We have three ladies who have been in the organization for many years. First of all, you have to be in the organization for two years to be able to be a volunteer um, community leader or advocate. Uh -huh. um, but we have three ladies that have created a virtual survivors of suicide community, mm -hmm. and they meet monthly because... What I can tell you is that, well, suicide is, the, I was just researching these stats yesterday, uh, and suicide is the 12th uh, reason why people die in this country. And of course, you know, this starts in preteens, but uh, it's not unusual to go all the way into your 50s. Yeah. And it is primarily men. So, yes, we get a lot of widows who are survivors of suicide. Yeah, just, you know, it's, I think part of the, the goal for me in having this podcast is normalizing doesn't feel like the right word. Um, mm -hmm. Making it known and safe to acknowledge how frequent these things are in society. 
and male suicide is an epidemic. It, it truly is. And it, it truly widows is. many, many women, and, and it is a complex grief. I would say, you know, when you talk to ladies, we have ladies who have found us just from the 2008 crash. Yeah. Uh, and so many male suicides from that, but also, um, you know, what we have seen a drastic increase is both suicide and COVID loss, which is uh, right. we thought would be yeah. a cakewalk of getting financial support. Mm. And we have not found anyone caring about widows post-pandemic. And they are coming to us in droves. And is that because they're like, you talk about brain fog. And so I'd love for you to kind of define what that means in your mind. But is it to some extent, like the brain fog has crippled them for long enough that they're teaching, searching help or that it's alleviating just enough that they're looking for help. What's why now, why is it increasing now? I think the, the pandemic itself made everyone go global with the use of uh, being able to be on something virtual. Right. So when it kind of, when we look at the landscape, places of worship closed down widows groups, hospice closed down widows groups, and we stayed open. Uh, we not only stayed open, we expanded. Right. We right. expanded. We created our survivors of suicide group during the pandemic. Um, and yet we can't create a COVID a virtual group because we don't have leaders who are past their second year and ready, right? Oh, right, right, right. Because this is kind of the concept of you've got to do enough of your own work before you can Correct. really support others. Correct. So yeah. brain fog, uh, 91% of our ladies polled have brain fog, which is their inability to be productive, whether that's at work, at home, Personally, it's actually a real diagnosis. It has a real diagnosis code. And we found out that it never gets used. Yeah. And a lot of this has to do with the um, SDM-5. Oh, DSM-5. Yeah, the mental health diagnostic manual. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, everything's changed in the last five years. We have seen oh, yeah. now that you can be diagnosed with depression after one month of being in grief. Well, <laughs> you know, that, that that's put in place in order to funnel pharmaceuticals. And brain fog mm. and grief, this is a normal response to the trauma of losing what we call a detachment problem. Mm -hmm. Our organization is focused on reattachment solutions that are healthy, right? No one talks like our organization talks because we've really dug deep into understanding on a psychological and really a holistic level of what it is we're bringing to widows. And most of the time, widows are only presented grief resources because that's that where the most of the research is. And it's only given in the first two years. Well, the problem is that's when the brain fog, the inability, the overwhelm is happening, right. the isolation, the loneliness. Mm -hmm. No one flourishes in, in that kind of environment. <laughs> to expect someone to flourish in that type of environment is <laughs> like is no. equivalent to saying like you've just been diagnosed with stage four cancer, stage three cancer, and you're going through chemo. Yeah, but live a happy, flourishing, productive life. 
Yeah, go no. run a 5K, you know. Yeah, oh. yeah. yeah, you go carry on with all the normal. Like, no, life shuts down. Life shuts, yep. And to mourn loss, deal with the detachment of the loss of. Uh, Carolyn, I, I look through the lens of attachment theory often. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that psychological theory. Yes, I am. Okay, good. So let's take a deep breath. <gasps> Yay, another attachment-informed <laughs> person, right? But as soon as you said that, detachment and attachment, right, is grief is a loss of the attachment figure. Correct. A primary person, oftentimes when it's a spouse. So instead of me explaining it, can you explain how attachment theory helps inform the grieving process? Well, I like to think of it as, a lot of times I'll explain it as taking a a piece of fabric Mm -hmm. and ripping it. Yeah. And seeing how it would be impossible to put back each one of those pieces of thread exactly the way it was before. And yet we come in and we use thread to be able to piece it back together, but it's never the same as it was before. It's traumatized, right? It's not going to look the same. It's not going to hold the same. It's not going to be, it's not going to present itself the same. However, it is back, it is back together. Right but not with the same identity of what it had before. That's an impossible way. So to, to say, okay, well, it's back together and it's, it's good enough. And I think that's what a lot of people who come out of grief problems and then walk into society feel. Well, it's good enough. Just move on. Yeah. But that's not how the human heart works. It, it really yeah. matters what you attach yourself to because it's very easy when you feel down on yourself. You don't have someone that has your back. You're not anyone's number one anymore. Right. You're just this feather that's flying through the air, to whatever happens around. And what you reattach to is important because, you know what, it could be, a, a toxic relationship. It could be alcohol. It could be drugs. It could be prescribed drugs. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> There's a million things you can reattach yourself to, and and so at Modern Widows Club, we are really pioneering the what we call the healthy widow pathway forward. Mm. And you know, it's birthed out of. A lot of mistakes, you know, and the mistakes that aren't really mistakes, they're lessons. But I think, you know, I've had my own personal ones, but I've also listened to thousands of other widows. And you start seeing this grasping, not reach, because when widows reach out, they're not finding what they need. So they're grasping at anything. Right. 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 So we want to make sure that they, when they reach out, they're grasping something that actually is going to set their trajectory into a different direction than something unhealthy. Kind of further into a grief and loss cycle, right? Because I guess if you reattach into a toxic relationship or pattern, at some point that will come to an end too, and mm-hmm. then it will add right. to the grieving complexity and process. Yeah, so we've built this bridge. Like we have a total respect for the grief space and yeah. what is offered in that. However, um, I don't know one grieving person that wants to stay in grief forever. 
sure. too painful. Yeah. So we build this bridge that really takes women uh, through what we call the grief to growth, mm. the bridge. We're bridging a divide sure. organization. We walk this path, and the path is called hope, heal, grow, lead. And we have a widow empowerment quiz that was created by a mental health therapist who was also widowed. Mm-hmm. And she created this tool because what we found is the whole idea of grievers being put on some kind of timeline is is terribly an accurate way to measure uh, something that's extremely unmeasurable. So we instead have them do this quiz and they decide based on their questions, where are they? Are they in hope? Yeah. Are they in heal? Are they in grow? Are they really bleeding? And and that is really the path from surviving to thriving. And we bring tools and resources and communities into their life, whatever stage that is, that's specific to that time, that space, that kind of channel in their life. And that's how you move someone forward. You respect where they are. Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to the Healthy Love and Money podcast. I'm honored that you spend time with me listening to these incredible interviews. I love working with individuals and couples around their financial life, integrating mental health and relational well-being. I'd love to personally invite you into my financial planning practice where I do therapy-informed financial planning, bringing together mental health, relationship health, and financial well-being. If you're thinking that's the type of help you'd like, Please see the show notes below to schedule your free 30-minute discovery call. And I'll look forward to seeing you and hearing more about your unique story and how I can best support you. Now, back to the show. I think at the beginning of the interview, you talked about the primary loss, and then there's the secondary losses. Correct. And so in my mind and understanding is the secondary losses are the ones that happen immediately in the loss of the partner, but also all the other ones that become realized and known as you go along the journey of healing. Right. There's, I break it down into three different stages. Acute. Yeah. uh, We need an active response to acute needs. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's the immediate first response. And then the next phase is short term. Okay. And then long term. Because what we have found is that widows to rebuild their life takes around seven years. It's a seven-year cycle. Wait, so just, I want to pause on that. Seven years. So listeners, as you hear that, just slow down on this. Seven years to rebuild your life. The, the, Carolyn has talked with countless grieving individuals. She's lived through the journey. She's helped people through the journey. Seven years. All right. So, Carolyn, help us understand the seven, this seven-year journey. It's, it's a theory that I write about in my book, Inspire, Connect, Lead, Empowering Your Widow, Mentoring, and Leadership Gifts. And I do that because what we have found is that the first phase of a widow's life is they need inspiration. And they need inspiration because they it's very hard to keep hopelessness at bay. Mm-hmm, okay, mm-hmm. so when you find others that are inspiring to you, it motivates you to keep going, right? Mm-hmm. But then somewhere in the mid-range, you need real connections to keep that inspiration going. 
And then the last part is uh, kind of almost reflective looking back at how much you've accomplished Mm -hmm. and how well you are leading your life now and receiving the praise for that. So I think that so many people, when they think griever, they only think right. of the very small window at the very first beginning, the acute care. Right, right. right. And, and there's many ways we can improve on that. But however, there's a whole cycle that we need to really create and start looking at the myths versus realities. I think the myth is that two years and you're good to go and off, yeah. off you go running. no. No, because guess what? I'm living my daughter's grief. My daughters were two and four. Now they're in elementary school. They Uh get invited to events where dads are supposed to be there. Right. So every, it's different now when they're in their 20s. They've fallen in love. Now they know what I lost. The the grief does not ever go away. I like to say it transforms your life, mm-hmm. makes you much more uh, compassionate and aware sure. of uh, maybe even noticing other people's struggles uh, mm-hmm. more clearly where they might be missed completely by others. Right. Um, but, you know, the initial grieving is part of the relationship with your partner. And this is, I wish people really understood that trying to stop someone's grieving cycle is like not allowing them to have a honeymoon in the beginning. Like grieving is a natural response to losing a person you love. So don't take away their grieving. Right. Because it's part of the loving, it's the end of the loving relationship. I, I like to say, because um, my voice is, represents widows, I say widows are women of fulfilled marriages. Promise made, promise kept, and promise honored. Mm, mm-hmm, and that promise mm-hmm. honored doesn't mean that they're, you know, they're like sanctifying their spouse or anything. Sure. It's just that the honoring... The grieving is an honoring process for them. Mm-hmm. Mm. And, and you can get stuck in that process, right? Because you don't have any <sighs> other future to look forward. And so Modern Widows Club comes in and says, let me introduce you to other women who have created a future. Right, right. And you're going to see with your own two eyes those women traveling, those women dating, those women taking their power back in their economic empowerment. And you glean a lot when you live in a, in a, in a community like that of overcomers. Um, Dr. Stephen Southwick, he wrote a book called um, Resilience, the Science of Mastery of Life's Greatest Challenges. Mm-hmm. And he calls women who over, or people in general, who overcome something that should have really just crushed them. It, and it did crush them. It did right. crush them for a period of time. Like the, and yet those people come back and help others. Right. Yeah, those absolutely. are called super survivors. Now, he coined that super survivor 
terminology. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love right? it. We need more super survivors in the world and we need to respect their place in life. Well, and the, the path, helping the pathway to that place be known mm-hmm. and right is giving meaning and much greater purpose to the, the suffering that you've experienced. It's, Correct. Yeah. So the economic empowerment, this is the Healthy Love and Money podcast. So let's camp out there for a minute. Sure. Women, money, widowhood, remarriage. What's all in that can of worms? Oh, the tangled web we weave. (laughs) (laughs) And how much time do you got? Well, let's put it this way. I've been widowed for 22 years and I'm still single. (laughs) On purpose. (laughs) Right, but I mean, as we're kind of laughing and playfully talking about this, there's there's something to re-entering marriage the second time or the third time, depending on kind of your life story and how it's unfolded where you don't have that innocence of what marriage is like. You you have some sense of what marriage is really like from a first-hand experience. And the money dance is one part of that that is, uh, is a big one. Yes, I, I like to call it, it requires uh, VUCA leadership. VUCA stands for volatility, uh, uncertainty, uh, complexity and ambiguity. <laughs> VUCA, leader, VUCA leadership. That's a new word for me. A new it is a new. Okay. Yeah. So all of that is in that scenario because we, we are looking at, I wish we could look at relationships simply from the emotional, romantic, uh, companioning standpoint. But unfortunately, there is that money channel As you get older, whether that includes inheritances or IRAs or uh, extended family members to care for, whether that's older or younger, uh, it's extremely, it's honestly, there's not one solution. It depends on your relationship and what works for the two of you. I, I, you know, I look at my own relationship when I was 36 and we each equally had careers and we took care of certain aspects we we got conquered and divided yeah and yet so i don't actually even know what it's like to have i was actually a stay-at-home mom for one month before he died and i will tell you that i was so panicked at not having a salary yeah because i had been independent up until that point um i was so panicked that I said, I, I don't know how to operate without having an income. And so he actually set up a salary for me to be a stay-at-home mom. Mm-hmm. So everything could stay the same, even though money was all the same. It was right. how I felt about the money right. and my value being a stay-at-home mother and, and wanting to be paid for that because it's work. And, oh, is it? Yeah. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. and so I, I, I really respected that about him, even though it happened only one month. And then I got to have no income. <laughs> Two incomes to one income to no income. Oh, my. We went from two incomes to him getting an increase and in me stepping back and to having zero income for almost two years. Mm-hmm. 
Do you mind me asking what role did life insurance? Well, you had said, I think at the beginning, you had just bought life insurance four months before because of Stuart Payne. Life insurance offers you options. Yeah. I was blessed with, because of life insurance money, and it wasn't a lot. I'm, I'm not shy about telling people it was $250,000, but at the time, we felt like that was a lot of money. Absolutely. That only lasts a couple years on a good budget, on a good family budget. We weren't thinking that far out. We weren't thinking six times our income level because that seemed so far away. Well, that's, yeah, I mean, it opens up a whole nother psychological element, right? Is our own perception of time and future orientation and how far into the future can we imagine? And, um, I'm going to misquote this research, but uh, Dr. Sarah Newcomb did some incredible research on future orientation and financial planning. And, and basically what I took away from it is most of us live in the relative present, meaning we're here now or a little next month, two months, maybe a year or two. But very few of us regularly think about 30 years from now, 20 years from now. Like that's not the, the orientation for most of us. And so, yeah, that's, it opens up some real challenges. Well, life insurance um, allowed me to not work and allowed me to grieve. Grieve. And right. it gave me a buffer to, before I started my interior design firm on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, and I pushed it off as long as I could because at the time, COBRA insurance only allowed you to have uh, 18 months of coverage. And so insurance was the reason why I was forced back into the into a career to provide for my family. Well, and this these are the the tensions that we live in, right? In the adult real mm-hmm. world of money is there are real policies and real laws that dictate what hap- some part of what happens in our financial life. You were talking about tax justice even. And so we're going to we're ending kind of on the very nitty-gritty financial details of this interview, but I wanted to bring this forward because I was talking with another guest recently, and she used the exact same word combo, tax justice. And she was kind of talking about single single individuals and what a disadvantage they're at. And this is kind of where widows come into this. So can you open up what tax justice is from a widow's perspective? And what are you trying to do? And then kind of if you can give us a big parting piece of advice, guidance, thing you want people to know about Modern Window, Widows Club. Mm-hmm. The the tax justice is, well, first of all, you have to really, I, I think most women don't, for me, what I've realized is they don't really understand uh, the certain tax options, single, right. uh, married, filing jointly or together, um, separated, I think is mm-hmm. maybe on there, and then qualifying yeah. widow. Mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. allowed for two years. So qualifying widow is basically the same exact filing as when you were married. Right. The advantage to that is you get more deductions mm-hmm. because you might get a windfall of money, right? Yeah, you get yeah. higher reductions. So you you only have to pay taxes. Oh, how, how a household is the other one. And so like for me, I went from married filing jointly to head a household. But then when my children were over 18, I became single. So I now am taxed 
as a 50-year-old woman, the same as my daughters in their 20s, Mm -hmm. which makes it extremely difficult because I have less deductions, I make less income, and yet I cover 100% of the overhead, whereas a couple is living under one household, right? Right. You have more people living under one household, so it's less expensive. I have to cover 100% of that. I earn less. I pay more taxes, and I get less deductions. So that's the scenario that widows find themselves in, and it's economically challenging. Um, The other thing I lost um, was losing a spouse at 36. I don't get that compound uh, gaining wealth of two people from 30, 40, 50 I didn't get that. Right. Right. And yet I'm still responsible for my daughter's education, launching them as adults. So the financial aspects that widows face are tremendous. Uh, It's almost a system that's set up for them to fail with very few. Even insurances don't offer discounts to them anymore because they're not a a group discount. Right. Airlines, Airlines don't allow us to you know, have a free partner fly fly with us. The amount of benefits to going from immediately married to single is kind of in every direction. They turn you lose their credit. You know, you have to requalify for a credit card based on your sole income, income, not on the couple anymore. So you lose anything you actually attain together. So there's all these, and so. One of the pillars of our healthy widowhood is financial health. And so we do partner and we do have webinars and it's always that topic is always included at Modern Widows Club because if we can help raise the economic empowerment of our ladies, we can get ahead of some of these issues so that they are aware of them. We bring that knowledge to them. Um, They're going to make smarter decisions. And and more importantly, they're going to ask more important questions of the yeah. professionals who are helping them in accounting, in financial advising, and estate planning. That's the advocacy work. Um, yes. That's so important. That's what you were talking about. And so how can people be connected with Modern Windows Club if this, if this message resonates with them? Well, modernwindowsclub.org states our mission, our vision, has a lot yeah. of resources from connecting with communities. We also have clubs. We have social clubs, a book club, an art club, a dating club, a travel club, uh, a parenting club. So these are all areas that widows need niche support in. Um, And then we have e-courses and we also have our big widow empowerment event. But, you know, that's under events. and, And also, you know, we want board members. We want people who care about this and come on board and help us uh, advance and serve even more widows. We we deliver about two hundred thousand direct services a year, and yet we're underfunded. So we also need foundations to care about us and to choose us as a cause that they care about, um, because widow support impacts every per every family, yeah. every family around the world. It impacts. Um, so we want to make sure that the women truly learn and and gain the resources to empower them to thrive. It's not enough to just uh, let them suffer 
and barely survive quietly. Activity, engagement, intervention are all important part of the grieving and healing and growth process. People do not just get through grief on their own, right? And so getting into community, getting into support, getting resources, this is, is a big deal. And it's we are social creatures. We need society and social processes to help us through this. Uh, Carolyn, it's been such an honor to be on on the show. And before we wrap up, I also just personally want to say for the listeners out there, if you've experienced this or you know someone that has, please, please send them to the Modern Widows Club. And also, because I know some of my listeners are people in positions of financial power and influence. If you're making grants and, and financial offers, include a checkbox for widows. That's something I learned from Carolyn before we, we hopped on here. But this is a unique group that does not have the access and even simple things like on an application for a grant, widows, supporting widows. So there's so much. Please reach out to Carolyn and, and see how you can be of support. Carolyn, thank you for the generosity of your time. And I'm so excited for the work that you're doing and appreciative of it. Thank you, Ed. Thank you for being a widow champion. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I invite you now to stop for five or 10 minutes and reflect on what you just heard. Maybe even journal about it. Give yourself the time to consider what you just heard and what it means to you. By giving yourself the time to reflect and integrate what you just heard, it will help you along your journey of learning, healing, and growing towards financial intimacy in your life. Please like and follow this podcast and share with someone that would benefit from being on the journey of financial intimacy. Wishing you healthy love and money, Ed.